Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ian. So we brought Ian over for a very specific purpose. We've got the Lord of the Rings show is coming up really, really soon. Because you are the biggest Lord of the Rings fan that I know. You believe high fantasy is my jam. Tolkien fantasy is, it is the basis for all fantasy. And just appreciating the base of it is one of like my favorite things now i told you you didn't have to watch the trailers for this but i am curious did you watch oh yeah the trailers now that I you watched... knew you were gonna come in and talk about it yeah <laughs> like i saw the first one when it came out uh okay. however long ago that was and then i like i saw that the other one was posted but i didn't oh there's wa- three. Oh, oh, yeah. there's three now okay yeah, they dropped two at comic-con because they dropped one and then house of the dragons is doing this thing where they every time lord of the rings drops a trailer house of dragons has dropped the trailer immediately after I'm like the next day to like take out the hype they like dropped one at the beginning of comic-con trying to do three-dimensional chess here because when house of the dragons dropped the trailer they waited till the end of comic-con and then dropped the third one and then house of dragons immediately dropped their third trailer (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing dude mind games industrial mind games yeah apparently there's still a few lights on in warner brothers but that's the other thing too is hbo is really really counting on this being a hit because they're hemorrhaging money right now amazon needs this to be a hit and of course they're not like there's room for two shows like no No. for some reason they decided to release very close to each other what's your impressions of the trailers first off you know like i'm watching them i see the big shots i see the beautiful scenery that they have picked for this show and i see the characters and i see the special effects and i see everything and it just it It brings back this joy for me. Me and media have a very basic relationship, and that is that if I enjoy anything about it, I'm going to enjoy it more than likely. And one of the big things that I loved about Peter Jackson movies was the were those huge shots, beautiful scenery of just like emphasizing the 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 scale of the journey, I guess. Right, like those helicopter sweeping shots that they were doing a landscape that they'd probably do with drones nowadays. Oh yeah. And so like I'm watching all of that and it's just it's yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the big shots again. And I'm looking at the way that they're going to like begin telling the story. I can't remember exactly where in the Cimmerillion this is taking place. I believe it's it's after Morgoth, right? I can't. Samaron's the one who, with the ring, right? Sar- Sauron Sauron is... Sauron, sorry. Sauron is the one who crafted the ring. He's right, the one okay. who crafted all of the so rings. So my understanding of this is like, it's somewhere where like people don't know who Sauron is yet. Yeah, okay. As you can tell... I didn't do all of my research. No, no, that's okay. I heard somebody talk about that. I did zero research on this. I just heard chatter and watched trailers. I see the characters. I see like the cast and like, I know none of the cast, which makes me really excited. I like seeing- Because they get to be those characters for you. Exactly. Precisely. They, I don't have any outside influences to make them different characters to me. And so I'm really excited for, for new faces. I guess that's a valid point because <laughs> every time I watched uh, Sean Astin, in Lord of the Rings, I would always like privately inside being like, Rudy, you're too small. Dude, and of course, like me being born in 98, uh, I definitely saw Lord of the Rings before I saw Rudy. So, What about Goonies? 
Uh, I even saw Goonies after the Lord of the Rings. Uh, my parents may have failed me as a child, but uh... oh no, it's fine. I was. Just I asking. haven't seen Goonies yet either. So I thought you went to like a drive-through. You've never drive- seen the Goonies? I, no, I've never seen the Goonies. I have You're tried like on multiple age. occasions. God literally started a thunderstorm in the <laughs> middle of Goonies, and I had to leave the drive-in theater. That wasn't God. That was Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> Look what God did to us, man. God didn't do that. You did that. You're a narcotics agent, aren't you? Sorry, it's like an... <laughs> Pavlodi. I, I might be on the spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> I, have to, I have to finish that line. Don't. You're an adult. Like, you're not going to like it. Like <laughs> I don't know. You have, I, to be, you have to be a kid. Okay, you know what? I'll give it that. You okay. can like it as an adult if you saw it when you're a kid. If you're an adult, you're just going to see every stupid thing that's in the movie. and It plays off in nostalgia when you're an adult. It's not made for adults. It's not. Yeah. You won't like it. But I mean, if you want to be a Richard Donner completist, I understand because that dude fucking rocked. Funny enough, I have the the opposite problem because Sean Astin will forever be Sam to me because I saw him as Sam before anything else. Oh, I get it, dude. Oh, dude, it's and you know what? Like seeing him anytime and just being reminded of Samwise Gamgee is just it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It's the same for me with Bruce Campbell. Like he'll always be Ash to me. He's oh, not yeah. Pizza Papa. He's Ash to me, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Do they need to completely link up with the movies somehow? I would say, yeah. Like, I, I feel like seeing as close to, like, at least the Lord of the Rings through Return of the King, like, at least as close to that stuck to the canon as it did. I feel like it, this at least owes it something to at least stick to the movies slightly. Doesn't have to be, like, directly related. Sticking close to the source material would be great. I like the representation in it. Like, that's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing all of the different different people like represented it people of color like all of that is fantastic they managed to like snuff that i'm gonna be a little disappointed yeah we watched some extended versions of lord of the rings and at a certain point i was just like ah because i was hearing aaron donaldson talk about digital blackface and all of a sudden it occurred to me how lily white every good guy was and how very clearly the orcs were supposed to be (laughs) like black people that it really, really rang in an uncomfortable way for me while I was watching it. It happened a lot. When it came to high fantasy, the first thing people always thought of was the blonde hair, bright blue eyed knight in shining armor versus the goblin, the orc, the dark elf, like anything like that. Let's go even further. We still think British people when we think fantasy for some reason. Exactly. It has to be a British person. It's like, why? Like, this is a made up place, but for some reason, people won't buy it if. If they don't say thou and art all the time, it's kind of weird. And so like moving forward, the casting choices that they have picked for this are, are huge. And like I said, like, I think a big part for this is that if they find some way to snuff it, or if these characters end up holding very minor roles, it's one thing to have representation, but like making sure these characters have impact, yeah. like, that's going to be huge as a fan. I think there's one thing right there is like, I want there to be valid representation, not token representation. I want valid representation. <laughs> you no want token, tol- Tolkien? You want Tolkien representation, Tolkien but not represent- token representation. <laughs> Precisely. There okay. we go. <laughs> if they use the Samarillion as a guide, but they have a lot of B stories, are you okay with that if the stories are good? Because it doesn't there's- strike me as like a proper story. You know, like it came out after he was dead. It's like segments of things put together. As far as like B stories go, I don't ever feel like if they're done correctly and they're, they're not like, whereas they aren't following the book, but if they're at least pertinent to the events that are happening, I feel like that 
not overdoing it too. Like that's the other thing is you can't have too many. You can't have too many. You need to have enough to like make sure that there's like side action going on to kind of keep the watcher gripped while like you're still trying to stay to that overarching plot because we all know with Tolkien like it's a lot of that plot is walking. So something else that's interesting to me when I think about it, there are characters that may have been alive when the battle scenes at the beginning of Fellowship happened, Mm -hmm. right? Like dwarves and elves, for example. So how stoked are you going to be if you see like a super handsome dwarf singing a ballad to a a lady? Dude, that's going to be amazing. And like only if the dwarven lady has a beard. (laughs) No, no human lady. Just like in the Hobbit. Remember you had super handsome dwarf singing to the human lady. And he was a heartthrob. Didn't look like any of the other dwarves. That's also going to be like cool. Because remembering back to the Cimmerillion, there was a point where like everybody was friends. So just being able to see like that, hopefully, would also be pretty cool. Do you want to see some like good orc representation where like maybe the orcs aren't aren't all bad? That okay. <laughs> oh man, see now see, that's I'm trying to pen you in. Here. Yeah, no, like that's. A t- <laughs> That's kind of uh, world-breaking, isn't it? Yeah, well, and that's just it, is because, like, the orcs were literally, like, created to do evil by Morgoth. Like, that is the thing. Like, he stole elves away and created the orcs with them. And so, it breaks the world. However, I do think that, like, not all orcs need to be, like, dark-skinned. Like, their orcs can have a variety of skin colors. And, I mean, like, we even know, like, there can be orcs who have, like, the white skin color. Here's what I'll say. If you really want to, like, do the orcs right, instead of showing them like they were in The Lord of the Rings, just, like, have them wearing flannel and, like, have long beards and red hats and, like, have those be your orcs and then see how that pans out. Or do do those red hats... They try and overthrow the elven kingdom. Oh, my... Because they're upset at, like, who was... I was about to say, do those red hats have the letters M-A-G-A upon them? Yeah, yeah, for, uh... Don't they say M-A-G-A? Make Mordor great again. There There we go. go. (laughs) Morgoth 2024. (laughs) Sauron vice president. <laughs> Do you want to see characters from the Lord of the Rings show up? Well, that's the thing is like, we know Galadriel is in there from the trailers. Like that's just, she's in there. It's a very young Galadriel. So Which like, one is that? She was the, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the, the that's Liv Tyler, isn't it? No, no. no. Oh. Uh, she was the blonde elf who gave them the gifts after they left the Elven oh, City. Oh, that's I can't uh, remember the name. Kate Blanchett, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Thinking back to it now, there are a couple things that I would like to see. I would like there to be the present storytelling and like past storytelling. So like I know that they can't like just like the Cimmerillion, just a long TV show. That's just it's whereas as cool as that would be, I believe that's probably unrealistic to keep an audience that gripped for that long, especially with something like the Cimmerillion. Having it take place with where it's taking place at, but also like building the lore a little bit with like flashbacks or people telling stories and things like that that would be awesome to see like the two trees or to see like when the trees died from morgoth and the spider what if they throw in characters that are mythical creatures that are not represented by tolkien like what if they throw in something like a fucking like a centaur like an owlbear let's go owlbear no. what if an owlbear no. shows up i know not Why? into owlbears it's not that a i'm beholder. not into. it's not that i'm not into those things it's just that where is those things made 
may have like eventually come from people who like expanded like Tolkien fantasy. Tolkien did not write those things. Like those were not. So you want to be Tolkien purist on this? Well, yeah. If I want it to be about the Cimmerillion, I do not want it to be D and D Cimmerillion one shot. <laughs> I'm just trying no, to see like, like what gets your your temperature up or down on this. I'm I'm not gonna nerd rage. You're not gonna make me do it. No, no, I'm not <laughs> trying to get you to nerd rage. I'm trying to gauge this because I think people with your like your obsessive watching Lord of the Rings, like we were watching the uh, the extended cuts, right? Oh yeah, and like I had to. I had to stop after two because it was eight hours and my ass was so asleep. I was just like, I I can't make it through another four. But like you had just done that a couple months ago. You had just watched all three expanded. If a person a month asked me to watch all of the Lord of the Rings extended, I would do it once a month. Would not care. (laughs) You might eventually. (laughs) Okay. Whereas I might eventually, like, I love those movies. Like, it's nostalgia. A lot of it is nostalgia, but I really do love those movies. And they. So the reason why I bring up this stuff is like, you are like representing in a way a lot of people who have that where they like obsessively watch it or read it. And those are the people who are going to yell the loudest about certain things. So I'm just trying to like mm-hmm. gauge what this is going to be. Later so on. like, do not, do not take me for, for one of the super extended lore fans. Like I, I know some stuff. I do not know everything. No, I know. I oh know. yeah. No, no, no. I'm just like, this is, this is for the people like that you say I'm representing. I'm just like, don't, uh, don't shoot the messenger, I guess. Where do you fall on the Hobbit movies, just out of curiosity? Remember us talking about, like, not being able to separate characters from, or, like, actors from characters? Yeah. The same thing happened with, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but I remember watching him first as Arthur Dent in the Hitchhiker's Guide movie, and now I can oh, never- uh, Martin Freeman? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Whereas I'm not as fond of the Hobbit movies as I was the Lord of the Rings movies, a lot of that CGI was- spotty we'll put it that way <laughs> uh especially like during like the the siege of that town with the dragon i why can i not remember these names i felt like those movies were fine in the theater but what was very telling to me was like i have never gotten the urge to ever rewatch them like, yeah and i kind of knew going into the third one i'm never gonna watch these again and like, see the the hobbit was out of all the tolkien books is the only one i've read like cover to cover yeah and if they would have condensed... They would have done, like, maybe one movie. <laughs> one movie, possibly a two-parter, but three is right out. And that's what Peter Jackson was shooting for, was two, and then New Line Cinema insisted that it be three. So the first thing he does is cut down the run times on them, and then just, like, padded all three movies out with, like... I think the second one is lar- largely not in the book, right? Like, most of the stuff that's in the second one is just... Yeah, the the romance subplot, like it, <clears throat> wait, wait, the the handsome singing dwarf wasn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I read the book. I seem to remember that. <laughs> no, I don't. Of course, I don't. That was the most ridiculous thing out of all of the stuff. Whereas I don't hate them. I don't have like like you said. You just don't have the urge to rewatch them. Really, like you've seen them. You yeah. know what happens. Yeah, there's some movies you're just like, yeah, it's it's fine. Like it was it was a romp in the theater. At no point was I like, I'm gonna watch this again. It goes for some reason, and then it ends. The that like you said, that second movie, it's just nothing in there. Like now, what if this show winds up being dumb but dumb smart? 
Like oh what? If, no, seriously. Like, what if it's so stupid, but it makes you laugh every episode? Would you still tune in? Like, does it have to be a certain vibe? Are you open to different vibes on this show? You know, like if the creators throw in like a goofy like side plot or or uh, what would you call it a B plot? I'll still watch it. What if Tom Bombadil's in this? Are you down for that? It. You know what? A Tom Bombadil uh, cameo. I don't think is possible. Cameo? No. What if, what if he's in Wait, the no, main there, cast? I was about to say there's no way because there's no way he would have been alive at this time. Wouldn't he? I don't know. I don't know anything about this character. <laughs> Just, I don't think, there's no way. I know Carl really likes him and I know some people really hate him. Like <laughs> That's all I know. All right. What if there's an alien subplot? What if you find out that Sauron is actually... What are you like? Okay, what is... if, I'm, I'm just gauging here. I'm just trying this to find is... out the general reaction for Amazon here. I'm, I'm doing some research in the field. I, so I, what, you what can't if you find sell out, my information. You what if you find out that Sauron is immortal because he comes from this other planet? There can be only one. Yeah, and then he winds up being the only one. Maybe like Tom Bombadil like builds this giant shield generator over Middle Earth that like protects it from the sun's rays. But then he realizes he has to destroy this like this shield and also destroy Sauron so that he could be the only one. I would never I would I would <laughs> I think I would start a class action lawsuit against Amazon. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the quickening. <laughs> Just, oh my God. That is what kind of off the wall <laughs> bullshit. That's the plot of They're... Highlander too, the quickening, sir. Yeah. Oh God. By the way, if you've ever seen Highlander, uh, that is the correct response to that movie's <laughs> plot. <laughs> It's fucking nuts. <laughs> what, to start a class action lawsuit? <laughs> we might have a case. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's two hours of my of life that was... I never get back. I need emotional damages, please. <laughs> Wasn't there like a country involved, like Paraguay or something, like funded the entire movie? Oh, yeah, there's something weird going on. And there's three cuts of the movie and they're all terrible, but in different ways, you know? <laughs> What if they have Michael Ironside as a elf? Would you be down for that? Do you know who Michael Ironside nope. is? Okay, have you seen uh, Starship Troopers? Long time ago. He's the teacher without an arm, just like telling all the kids, best thing you could do is become a citizen and go off to battle. What if they had him, him as a like an armless elf in this movie? Yes. Yeah, you're into that? I'm into I'm that in. too. I like it. I think it was a little inspired just now. All right, do you have any final thoughts on Lord of the Rings before we sign off here? Oh man, dude. I mean, in regards to just like the general chatter about it whereas i would be disappointed if it did not follow anything even if it's still just enjoyable to watch like i said those big shots the character interactions things like that like the high fantasy stuff about it is kind of what i'm about and like being able to see high fantasy like in in a new era so what you're saying is if it's entertaining and they have a scene, say, like at a forge where they're making the one ring and the forge isn't lighting up right. So they have to turn it off and turn it back on. You're into this? No, no. <laughs> there, There is a line. There is a line. I'm just saying that my I'm just saying that my line is my, my line of expectation is significantly lower than I would say like a super diehard fans would be. Uh, and you know what? Like, I hope they do good with it. Like, I hope it's fun and I hope that they do stick to it. But you know what? It, like, it's still going to be Tolkien fantasy. And that is what I am. That's what I'm most excited for is Tolkien fantasy. Will you be watching the House of Dragons? Absolutely not. Why is that? Uh, this is a great entry point because it all takes place before the original story. None of it happened, Ian. 
This is a great place to jump on. <laughs> I bet you it would be. I don't have it in me to care about Game of Thrones for some reason. Like, I, I feel like there is enough negative people in my life that, like, tried to get me to watch Game of Thrones or, like, I watched Game of Thrones with. And I was like, you know, like, it's funny. It's f- it's really funny to me because I was bored to death with Game of Thrones. Like, that was my biggest thing is, like, the episodes that I did watch with my friends, I could not care for whatsoever for some reason. You know how, like, you insist you got to watch the expanded editions? I don't insist, per se. Well, you feel pretty strong about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, Game of Thrones is kind of similar in that, like, they are building a whole thing. and From it's, episode one. Yeah, from it. episode one. Like, there are things in episode one that get resolved in the last episode and, and like, many episodes after that. There are strings of things that you cannot go into an episode cold and enjoy that episode because it's built on so many things. That's fair. So, <clears throat> I will say, if you ever do decide to like give game of thrones a shot you do have to start from the beginning (laughs) yeah i know so we did a show called in syndication where we would talk about classic tv and then like we would pick two episodes that were considered the best like had game of thrones been around long enough i don't think that's ever one that i would have picked purely because i don't think you can pull two episodes out of that cold and have them resonate because like they're all built off of things from other episodes like I just do not think you can watch that show in a vacuum. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, it's even more so, I mean, because we did an episode on The Sopranos in that mm-hmm. in that show, and you pulled two episodes out of that. There was so much, like, playroom with yeah. The Sopranos that you could get two standalone episodes. Yep, and they had little tiny connective threads, but you didn't need to know those connective threads to understand the main through line. This is not one of those shows. Yeah, I will say the final nail in the coffin. So like on top of the like the the stamina test of just having to sit through and watch all of those episodes on top of the being bored to death every time I watched it. Why the hell is there so much incest? Why? Why does there need to be so much incest? I would counter that with why is there so much incest on Pornhub? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it just seems to be everywhere. <laughs> I don't an fucking entirely know. too high amount. Why is there incest in Star Wars almost? Almost. That was because of a writing bungle. Okay, we got Carl here. Hey, let's talk about She-Hulk. It is easily already just with just the pilot and nothing else a contender because I can't make a final decision till, of course, till the whole thing's out. Yeah, we got eight more episodes, man. (laughs) But it's a contender already for top three in no particular order. I can't bring myself to like definitively number any of these things. They change so much. Because I just watch them in the background all the time frequently. And so my opinion on them shifts constantly. So nothing's in stone. But man, this really like, it's easily the best pilot of any of the TV series. That's exactly where I fell. Like so far, it's my favorite pilot of honestly of a superhero show. I know it's not going to be what this was, but I don't care. You and I uh, both uh, probably read the same article that, where they talked with the people about how this episode was originally going to be at the very end and they moved it to the beginning because they were like, nobody's going to be able to pay attention to the show if they're constantly thinking about the origin. So might as we should move it to the beginning because that's just where it makes most sense to put it, which I think is a smart plan. But it does feel like, you know, something was getting going at the beginning of the episode and then it just gets interrupted by her going, all right, cat's out of the 
bag. She just said Hulk. Yes, I'm a Hulk. You know, like, yeah. let's get this out of the way and talk about my origin so we can get back to what this really is. And I am excited for the lawyer stuff. Like, I'm a Me fan too. of lawyer shows. I'm not, but I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, hulked out women being lawyers. Like, everything that I saw from trailers looked like fun. I've read some of the Dan Slott run of She-Hulk, and it was a lot of fun in the way she fourth wall breaks, you know, like, mm-hmm. which they put right into this. So I was like, great. Like, it, it works there. <laughs> and I can, thinking too. that this would be at the end of the run, <sighs> I can see that in a way. But also... It doesn't really matter to me. Like, I'm curious how it's going to end since they kind of Frankensteined it a bit, but I'm not really concerned. I did not read the article that said that they rearranged it. I actually heard a podcast where somebody was talking about what an abject failure it was because they reordered it. And this is not a weird right wing guy. This is this is just a guy whose opinions I sometimes agree with and sometimes don't. But he was coming from the aspect of like, for the creator, this is awful. And it clearly tainted his experience experience of it he show run the show briar patch and it was on the show the watch so like this guy's got credentials and stuff and i i get it but i also think he was bringing his baggage to it a bit because when i watched it i really really enjoyed it i didn't know that it was frankenstein until he said that and so for me to not catch that stuff i don't care man like that's kind of the goal isn't it is to make it work seamless and i think maybe if you knew that going in maybe that affected your viewing of it but it didn't affect it for me I thought it was a great pilot. It didn't affect my viewing of it. I heard that after the fact. Yeah, I heard it after the fact as well. I was just bringing it up as a as an interesting point. When we first see Bruce, his arm is still injured. They're going to some family dinner, right? They're driving together. She's driving. I think so. He's in the passenger seat. And they're just having some sort of idle conversation, starting off the running joke about, about Captain Rogers. America. Yeah. <laughs> and whether or not he's a virgin. And I just like how she's keep she's like tracking him through history. <laughs> like I also doing enjoy the math. Like I enjoy this too because this is a legitimate thing I've heard talked about. Oh online. yeah. It's definitely like, the kind of thing people speculate about. I think it's funny to talk about. I also immediately dismissed it because to me, he clearly fucked Black Widow and Winter Soldier and she's setting him up with Sharon Carter. See, I don't think they walk they walk at, like, I, they, I I literally watched Winter Soldier like a couple of days ago. Rewatched it. She's like walking around in a towel and stuff. I don't know. What? It seemed, yeah, the, like she takes a shower in like the safe house they're staying in and stuff, as I recall. Oh, I don't think they fucking. I just point. felt like it was. See, f- let, let me let me put it this way. I felt like it was familial enough where like I wouldn't rule it out. And I also think that like Natasha is kind of free with stuff. Sure, but I don't think Steve Rogers did that i kind of do i don't think <laughs> he did furthermore and i also don't the, think the, that the whole thing with the uso shows he clearly is stepping out with those girls i don't think that he did anything with sharon oh so, he did dude he like made out with no her. D- that's but that's still virgin making out is nothing yeah but they had a history very clearly already eh. and black widow was setting him up before i think i that know they but already i think that that affair. was like an almost happened thing no i, I don't think, it think that it actually never no i don't way. think it ever actually <laughs> 
land it. I think. See, it this is why this conversation's close. fun. Is like we're parsing this stuff. Well, and if we're having this conversation about them, imagine the conversations that are happening, like about these characters in the yeah, as real people in their own universe. I mean, they like, are the so ultimate legitimate, celebrity, right? Yeah, it, I think that's what makes it kind of feel grounded. Is that it's a, the kind of thing that any of us would speculate about if it was in real life. And I also like that it's a thing that for her, it's like wanting to know this goofy little thing, you know? But for him, it's like people he knows who has passed on and you can tell he's weary with <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah, so much with this... that joke, but like the whole thing with Tony Stark. Like, yeah. he meant a lot the to The bar him. and... And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I think is like the MCU when it's firing on all its cylinders is like remembering these aren't just like superheroes bashing people like these are actually human beings that have relationships and like complications. And he's sitting there trying to work out his feelings because at this point, we're probably somewhere within a year of the end of Endgame, right? Like I feel like phase four has all been kind of compressed within somewhere around a year. Regardless, like he clearly yeah. hasn't processed everything and it can't have been that long yeah and that would be a really hard hit too because like I, I like that they went to the effort to show like that tony stark was like hanging out with them over that five years like it was a nice little way without bringing robert downey jr back to like kind of relive iron man a little bit that was very fleeting and i think that's a good thing because this is not an iron man no I wish iron man was here show but it does still like this does feel like out of a lot of the shows, this one feels the most, like, in sync with the main continuity. Yeah. It's the most, like, embraced by the main continuity. And it where seems you've got, like, like the Moon things... Knight and Ms. Marvel are somewhat distant cousins. And then, even though Ms. Marvel is, at the very end there, took a hard turn right into the heart of the main MCU continuity. Yeah, and Moon Swapping Knight, places with Brie Larson. To, to be real, Moon Knight may or may not even be in there. Right, dimension, that's why it's on know. the fringe. It's, yeah. It's for sure on the fringe. But this one, it feels like it's right It's there. right in the core of it. And that feels like what they're going to do a lot in certain ways, like based off of all the different characters we've seen in the trailers and heard them talk about it feels like it's a show where it's going to be like jennifer walters like engaging somebody from the marvel universe and like seeing a side of it that maybe we don't get in another place you know yeah getting back to her and bruce so she the way she changes is kind of fine i mean it's it's I guess better than the comic book way, but that was always kind of contrived anyways. She shares certain genetic anomalies and when it comes to processing gamma radiation and she got some of Bruce's blood on her. And in the comic book, she had to get a blood transfusion yeah. from Bruce and it's like, what the fuck? That's fucked up too. So what and are I you going to do? I don't think so they wanted deal. to do Who cares? Yeah, I don't think they wanted to do that specifically. And I'm just guessing here because you just did thor love and thunder where you have like a cancer plot in that so they're probably like we just did that we'll just have blood go on the thing and and off we go running you know yeah well i assumed that it was going to be she was in some kind of accident and she would die if she didn't get a blood transfusion from bruce because rare blood type blah blah some bullshit you know i was expecting bullshit when it came to this the inciting in incident 
and that's what we got and it's fine yeah i am fascinated with what that ship was it was sakarin yeah a sakarin craft so it came from the planet where he was hulk for years it kind of feels like maybe they're edging towards world war hulk if you're bringing back in sakarian i'm not saying that's what they're oh, doing yeah, i but it feels like maybe they are i just felt like Hey, he's got a history on Sakar, so it makes sense. And it also makes sense that the space courier would have a very limited understanding of Earth and not know that you can't just like appear in front of a car on the highway. I also like that he literally just solves the mystery about what's going on with his arm just to like replace it with this other mystery. Like, I love that, dude. They're just like, and we answer that, and here you go. <laughs> like, I love that. They just like took one thing. We were scratching our head with the Hulk over and replaced it. That was fun. Like, that's when Marvel's fun. It's just like all the speculation about World War Hulk now may not even be anything to do with that. So then when she changes for the first time, it's all typical changey werewolfy stuff. But where it really starts to get good, like really good, is Hulk basically takes her back to this island of his where the bar is and has got a lab. And it's like a private place for Hulk to be Hulk way far away tony bottoman island he's gonna like teach her how to be hulk um he's put together a binder where he's collected all his previous uh experiences and and sort of stress tests and so forth and so he never thought it would be like a syllabus for somebody else to learn how to be a hulk but that's how he's gonna treat it now and it's a thing that took him what like 15 years to figure out to process what it was like to be the Hulk. And so he starts her on this regimen, Jennifer, and she is just immediately good at stuff. For one thing, she doesn't suffer from the alter ego problem that Bruce has, which is fucking hilarious because it means that the alter ego nature of the Hulk has nothing to do with gamma radiation. It has everything to do with Bruce Banner's inability to cope with his emotions. Absolutely in line with the comic too, because that is a thread that they've really uh, explored in the last 15 years of whole comics. Like it's Bruce. It's absolutely He's him. He's a big he baby. Has, he has, <laughs> he has anger issues. And when he, before he turned into the whole, cause we didn't really see and him it's that gotta much be, before. And like the growing frustration of it's, it makes Hulk such a real relatable character to watch him like the jealousy just grow over the course of this episode and he's like i'm trying to fucking help you he's lying to himself like i'm trying to fucking help you like yeah. you have to be experiencing this the way i did and she's like no i don't <laughs> and the, <laughs> punch you <laughs> the other thing that's funny about it when you think about oh. it is that like they already kind of answered this a little bit in endgame like he literally said I realized I was looking at this all wrong. I had to incorporate both halves because they were me. He owns it at, at that dinner, but it's like watching somebody else go through that. It's too much for him in a way. He's just like, no, 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 hold on. And there's a bit of a regression. This is because... supposed to be harder for you because it was harder for me. There's <laughs> yeah. just like, so there's elements of Bruce Banner in this show like meta elements that are so fucking amazing to me like in my mind bruce banner is every guy on the internet that has said anything like ray is a mary sue or yep. the girl from prey is a mary sue or fucking captain marvel's a mary sue 
any of those people, that's you. This is you. But to me, seeing somebody be successful at something that you may have struggled at or that you think you would struggle at and like thinking that they they deserve to have it harder and you deserve to have it easier, you know, instead of being like, wow, they really are. They do put a lot of work in. They just assume, oh, it's because they're just naturally, you know, it's never acknowledge work that a woman will put in you know right <laughs> although i will say it seems like he acknowledges his oh he well that's the thing the is that so that's and good kind of throughout it like what he is mostly frustrated with throughout the course of the thing is her how well she adapts is her and she's kind <laughs> of a jerk about stuff too yeah she's not the nicest person she's not She's not perfect. By the way, like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but she's a lawyer. She throws. <laughs> oh, man. I love her lawyering when she like shoots back when he because he calls himself smart. He calls himself smart Hulk. You know, oh, it's just a name. They gave it to me. But he still calls himself. And she calls him out on it. She says she's like uh, using the name is like implied consent or implied conceding that it's lawyering me. You know, and she does it a couple of times, like throws his own words at him or turn stuff around on him you know what i really enjoyed about this episode is like there's a fight at the end but like i didn't really care about that like i really enjoyed more them it was fun battling out philosophy while they're talking on the island and like getting to know both of them you know well and i think like they, we get to know on a bruce certain, in you a way could tell that on a certain level they both knew that neither of them is gonna like kill the other one right yeah, so they're, they're family. just fighting their emotions out. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it just, they were both kind of having a cathartic tantrum together. I like where she was like, so how do you just suddenly turn back? And he's like, um, they dropped me out of an airplane. Or... <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah, they hit me really hard in the head, <laughs> knock me out. Sometimes my lady sang me a lullaby. <laughs> He's forced to address the most ridiculous aspects of him as a character in this, and he is able to do it. Like, he overcomes his own obstacles. He has a little mini arc in this because he backslides and has to regain that ground that he lost. Yeah. Because she is a smug jerk, you know? Because he's also, and he's kind of a jerk. He's but smug he's, too. He's an assuming jerk, right? Like, she's smug and he's assuming. And I so mean, it's sort of the She immovable. gives him a little revelation, you know? She teaches him a few things herself. And I also think. If I'm being honest, that like she was entitled to be a bit smug because like he yeah. he was like taking her there and she wanted to go home at every turn and he was not I mean he wasn't kidnapping her but he was so insistent on her staying and like she deserved to be able to push back on him quite a bit you know yeah, like for I, sure. I don't I don't think that attitude was uh, she probably untoward. could have gotten away with pushing back even more yeah you know but as soon as his bar got broke the bar that she knew he built with Tony. She immediately is just like, oh no. And by the way, the thing I noticed they both just quit immediately. And that's more his fault than it was her fault. But like, very clearly, she was just like, it's not worth like fighting about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? This wasn't too important. Like, he threw her into the bar. (laughs) Right. Every single thing that she did to hurt him in that was designed to just piss him off more. Yeah. You know, like flipping all the coconuts into his face and like 
<laughs> figuring out how to clap, do the clap move, but do it differently and just as effectively, right? Like he does I it think, in honestly, one big smack. I think more effectively because a sustained series of blasts is probably way worse. But it than looked one like big he one. was getting one giant one, right? Yeah, that yeah, would like one. blast you. But she was just like, <laughs> it's like it's this constant thing. Like they have the, the same way it effect builds in the too, end. The way it builds, like how he shows her, okay, we're gonna throw this boulder, and he like throws it, and then she on her first try <laughs> she throws it farther than him so he, and just, he like, just like hurls it into the one sun three times the size and throws it into space <laughs> yeah, it's just like and it was so clearly <clears> like <throat> a <clears throat> and he doesn't say it but it's very clearly yeah. like just so you know i'm still stronger than you kind of thing yeah like, and then she's like <laughs> mocking him and they do the big show the big leap and she's like man <laughs> <laughs> just she's just fucking great because the CGI ain't that bad. <laughs> and I, didn't even notice it, honestly. Like, so she, her face stretches cartoonically sometimes when she roars, you know? Same thing happens with Hulk. It's fine, you know? Move on. She looks it never great. Bothered. I she never noticed great. it. They finish the flashback. Now she's going in for court. She's about to do this big closing argument. Involving a real creep that's just like a landlord. She's just like trying to make a land hold the landlord accountable for being a piece of shit or somebody like that. It's some it's some kind of uh it's not a criminal law, it's like a it's like a uh civil civil suit. suit, yeah. And then all of a sudden the wall busts open and there's is it Titania? I think so. We I don't really know anything about and I don't care to know anything about her. I'll learn about that character yeah, I know from this about show. Her. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that characters had like two to three super minor appearances in the comics. So this show is going to define the character. Yeah. Tim Roth look in the trailers in a different way than we've seen him before. You mean the abomination form? Uh, More like the comics with the big like. Well, uh, physically, yes. But what I mean is like I've seen Tim Roth give looks that doesn't look like his character did. Like his character was very much a like a soldier who is into soldiering and nothing else. Right. Like almost psychotic. I think we can allow for. That's that's what I'm saying. I think I think this show is going to like take care and do their own spin off of them this and I'm won't fine be with its, that. No, but I think you could, okay, you could say it was a behind the scenes the writers changed how they wanted to write this character. No, no, that's not what or I mean. You could that's say, not what I mean. It's I been mean, 20 like, years in prison since the end of Incredible Hulk. That's going to change a character. Well, if he was, I mean, I don't know. There's like two things that we know. So one is there's a Marvel one shot where he's being kept by Ross and they're talking about using him for the Avengers a little bit, but they are talking about using him in some capacity. And then we see him with Wong and Shang-Chi fighting. So like he hasn't been in prison the whole time, but but all I meant by it was that like, I'm okay with them showing different sides of characters. I think they're going to have the characters do what they want them to do, which is fine. Like, like it's boring when you use the same character the same way over and over again. Right. Well, I don't think they could use that character the same way twice because the first way. I mean, man, if you want to use him as bad. a villain again, I guess. But I mean, it seems like they're doing something more with them and I'm here for it. Well, I just feel I, like, I love the idea of getting more Tim Roth, you know? I think this show has a more nuanced understanding of superheroes than the Incredible Hulk did. Jessica Gow, she's the showrunner. I can't speak highly enough for how she gets this shit and then also is able to like use it as a lens to look at something 
that hasn't been looked at in the MCU yet, at least not in any real detail. So I want to transition to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So this is Pete Davidson's new movie. Is that the best way to describe it? Is it like a Pete Davidson vehicle or is he just in it? He's front most on the poster. Okay. And uh, he's definitely a big part of it. Okay. But I don't want to get into specifics because it's it's got elements of a murder mystery in it. I would say more akin to Knives Out than anything, but not really like that. Just in that it subverts the murder mystery kind of thing. I predict Pete Davidson is not the murderer. Okay. So I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to spoil it for people. That's why I said I predict. literally just opened. It is mostly Generation Z kids that are in it with like... I think Lee Pace is also a character in it. And then pretty much everybody else is younger. And the director of this, and her name escapes me at the moment, but it's this lady from Norway. And she talked to all of the cast, like with the script and worked with them. Like she had a period where she was kind of hanging out with them before they filmed and rewrote everything based off of stuff that they said. Playing this game that's kind of like mafia, they call it bodies, 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 where like basically you turn out the lights and then somebody dies, you know, like somebody touches your back and then you die. And then of course, like people start dying for reals. And so they're trying to figure out who the murderer is. Like it's the game that they're playing in real life. But what's really interesting about it to me is that like these people with the exception of Maria Bakalov, who is in the new Borat movie recently, who helped take down Rudy Giuliani. And I'm sorry about these barking dogs. If they're showing up on Mike, I can't do anything about it. So with the exception of her, they've all been friends for years, but they don't know each other at all. Like it's fucking crazy, dude. Like this one woman in it just keeps insisting that her boyfriend played by Lee Pace could not possibly be a murderer. Like he doesn't have it in. I think Lee Pace did it. And you find out that like you met him through grinder two weeks earlier it's just like she doesn't know this dude at all but then you find out with their own connections they don't know each other at all and there's this part where they start yelling at each other and they're just throwing out phrases from the internet that is where it's like so generation z to me is like people yelling you're triggering me and like stuff like that and they're like yelling things back and forth but it's very clearly stuff that they read on the internet so they're repeating it but they don't fully understand it it's also very privileged kids i should say like they're all kind of rich and a point of contention with one girl in it is that this other girl's like you're always trying to pretend like you're not one of us like you worked your way up to being rich but you were you were born upper middle class and she's like i was not and she's like your parents are both professors at the big university they like cleave each other constantly and they're constantly saying like really mean shit to each other but they don't know how to interact with each other they don't truly understand each other but what's really interesting is what What's going on with the phones in this every scene you watch somebody is like holding open a phone they're looking at their phone somebody's talking to them they're like doing something on the phone like the movie opens up with this really heavy makeout scene between these two women and you can see they love each other they go for a drive and then they pull over and just sitting there with their phones like chatting on their phones not looking at each other like same room but not even paying attention as carl's on his phone <laughs> I'm listening. But 
This is kind of the point of the movie, though. Without getting into specifics, everything in this movie is made worse by the way people interact with each other on social media, the way that they're not present when they're in a situation. Like, their reception goes out on their phone, and they're all freaking out about it, so they're all on Wi-Fi, and then the Wi-Fi goes out, so they're really freaking out. But even then, they don't put down their phones. They're using them for flashlights. They're occasionally staring at stuff like while they're walking around like it's nuts, dude. They never put down the phone. And something really interesting that I noticed is that like the few times that somebody doesn't have a phone, they will never get murdered. Like they'll never die. Like every time somebody puts down a phone, they'll be okay. But like the phone is the impetus for a lot of bad things in this movie. And so I think this is a movie that has a lot to say about how we're living our lives with each other and communicating with each other. Like that's really what the movie is about. And I think it's very interesting. And the final scene, it's so funny. I kind of figured out where it was going by like the last 15 minutes. I spent a lot of time scratching my head, trying to figure out who the murderer was. I kind of figured out what was going on, but the final scene is just something else. dude. (laughs) Like it's one of those things that I think, if two people who have seen this movie run into each other, they're going to bring it up immediately and start laughing. So I would definitely check out Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's probably running mostly in independent film theaters at this point. But if you get a chance to check it out, definitely check it out. It's worth your time. And I think that's a show. So take it easy. <laughs> Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account. And you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite horror films. Scary movie fans beware, or listen to Watch No Evil. News, reviews, and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love. Take a tour of the popular media world with Biggs and Brandon on Not Safe for Network. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, affective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts. You can find all of these shows on Redwood Sound Labs.